HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery. Kane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. For more information, visit www.kane5.com. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah. That cat is high, no bad look in his eye, oh man he's high, yes higher than a kite. Welcome back to the Speakeasy, I'm your host Damon Bolte. It's a very, very hot day in Brooklyn today, and uh, I could think of no better way to spend it with, I believe this to date is the most people I've had in the studio at one time by by one person. Uh, we have four great bar industry bartender people from uh, Norway, from Oslo. Skull. 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 <laughs> I can't reach that far, brother. Um, we have in the studio today Anders, Amari, Dan, we got Hella, and we are joined again by a repeat guest of ours. <laughs> Brian Miller uh, of New York City fame. You guys are all on the show. Uh, you're, you're all in town right now. Um, you tend to visit the city a lot. I, I think it's pretty cool. Like you come to town for. Uh, first of all, you guys get a lot of vacation time, which is something that's really like foreign to to us here. But um, you tend to come to uh, New York City to get like inspiration for what is your everyday growing bar scene uh you tend to uh like every time i see you which is again a lot (laughs) which is great it's great um there's there's constantly um an evolution uh that you keep talking about in the oslo bar scene and uh can you tell us a little bit more about like like the places you work at like um generally you you all work for kind of like the same core group of bars and bartenders can you elaborate a little bit on that we all work at a place called um, Park Theater. Mm-hmm. It's located in a small part of Oslo called Grindraka. Mm-hmm. It was like, more or less, it's a growing scene. Like 20 years back, it was workers' area. It's a bit, bit like uh, Williamsburg. Yeah. yeah. So it was like kind of an industrial yeah. area of sorts, and then it was kind of like gentrified, turned into something like of a, of a, of a destination spot. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... um a lot of bars throughout the last 10 years a lot of bars have popped up in the area like more or less on one street we work at one of them 
Uh, Amlich used to work at another one, and we all co-worked with some of the other bars as well. We have like a small cocktail bar called Barboca. Mm-hmm. Almost next to it, it's a tiki place called Aku Aku, where Amlich used to work. And now we all gather up at um, Park Theater. It's like a beer joint, whiskey, the cocktails as well. That's great. I, I love that there's a bar in Oslo called Aku Aku. Uh, <laughs> got the, the whole Thor hired all uh, kind of thing going on. Um, and, and recently, um, I guess fairly recently, probably not as far as like as, re- as, as often as you guys take trips to uh, to uh, travel around the country, uh, you did have uh, uh, Brian Miller and Cabell Tomlinson and Thomas Waugh. All, uh, formerly of Death and Company, um, and other great bars around the city. Uh, you had them come out to do some guest bartending at a couple places, right? Yeah, we um, we're constantly trying to like evolve the cocktail scene in Oslo mm-hmm. because uh, we have none. Uh, <laughs> as in true. in America, you have like 150 years of history doing cocktails, and uh, Norway is like in its infancy, like right towards cocktails. So uh, a couple of our friends went to New York two two years ago, two and a half years ago, and uh, hung out a lot at Death and Co. and got to meet Brian and and Thomas and uh, also Cavill, uh, and we just sent him a mail and thought, yeah, let's ask them over and they could do some classes with us and teach us some stuff and yeah. It, We've been frequently back yeah. to New York since. I think that changed a lot of things as well when you guys came over. It was like a cocktail renaissance in Oslo. <laughs> really, it was. With, with all the techniques and uh, the infusions that you guys taught us. That was that was a pretty incredible time. Um, when Thomas <laughs> and Cavill and I went over, um, got, well, Ida had interviewed me. And uh, at the end, she was like, hey, do you want to come over to Oslo? I was like, Absolutely. Uh, Thomas got invited, and I brought my my ex girlfriend along, Cabell, with me. And um, I remember, like, we landed and immediately went to bars. Um, you guys dragged us out to pretty much everything. I think until six or seven o'clock in the morning, and then had a couple of hours of sleep. And the next thing you know, we got dragged, and uh, we were supposed to do a lecture, which of course we were forty five minutes late for because um, <laughs> there was no alarm clock in anybody's <laughs> apartment. Uh, and then when we showed up, I mean, God, we felt like the Rolling Stones. Like there was like seventy bartenders in there. You couldn't see anybody through all this chain smoking that was going on in there. And Thomas like said, the "Good old days." Yeah, I mean, it was amazing that it, it felt like every bartender in Oslo was in that place. And so Thomas and I were obviously incredibly nervous, um, but got up and, and, and talked with everybody. And it was one of those things where you know. You do a lecture, and you're like, hey, does anybody have any questions? And nobody said anything. And so we're kind of standing there twiddling our thumbs. And <laughs> then uh, then at the end, everybody came up to us and had, like, a million questions. You guys were all asking us stuff until finally I like, I got to go smoke a cigarette. I'm so tired of listening to myself talk. Um, but it was amazing. You guys just... Now you know how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Um, but it was... It was an amazing experience. I mean, literally, you know, Thomas will probably kill me, but uh, we were practically driven to tears by the time we left because we really enjoyed being with all of you guys. It was such an amazing time, and uh, certainly my last night in Oslo was definitely top five best moments I've ever had in my life. <laughs> 17 bottles of kava later. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, and an umbrella? And how were they... Uh, how again did you uh, serve those 
17 bottles of cava, Brian. Oh, my gosh. Well, it started off, um, I don't know what propelled me. Uh, perhaps it was the Aquavit uh, that we were drinking that night. But um, And right now. And right now, absolutely. <laughs> Although I think I just had a shot of rye. Very nice. Um, no, it started, I don't know, for some reason, Ida, um, she left a pair of uh, baby blue pumps. And I don't know what propelled me, but I started pouring cava into the shoes. And then we started drinking out of shoes and singing Russian drinking songs. And then everybody was drinking out of each other's shoes, whether it was sneakers or boots or pumps or, you know, I mean... Hella, you've got shoes, what, size of a munchkin? They're like, you know, size two or three. So, the shot, but, shot glass size. Yeah, that did, yeah. Her, her shoes were the shot glass size. But, um, oh, God, we just, we drank, and then we drank out of an umbrella that had a hole in the top of it. So, like, we were underneath that drinking kava. And, I think we were uh, singing at the time as well. We were singing. Thomas definitely was singing with the umbrella at some point. And uh, there was a lot of really weird homoerotic stuff there yeah, <laughs> ambers was like in a vest with leather vest with no shirt underneath and uh who people was the, started taking off who their clothes, yeah people yeah. started taking off their clothes and um yeah made for a real interesting and quite aromatic plane ride home <laughs> that's for sure yeah some wet shoes on the way back home yeah nothing like the you know scent of kava and foot sweat to really make a hangover last just a little bit longer <laughs> I'm sure the TSA really appreciated you uh, when you took your shoes off at the the checkpoint to uh, smell uh, Ricky bartender foot mixed with uh, Spanish sparkling wine. That smell didn't go well with my $20 sandwich. (laughs) Speaking of that, like, uh, there's one thing that you were talking to me uh, earlier about uh, collectively and before even the last couple of trips that I've seen you on. The, The amount of money that it takes to actually buy like even like the what we take for granted like Rittenhouse Rye and uh you know like certain like that's what we use for our like our Manhattans that's like basically even though it's like the best rye for mixing it's like it doesn't cost it's about it's about like twenty dollars a bottle here and for you it's how much well I say you pay a hundred and twenty dollars for a bottle of Sazerac maybe Rittenhouse is seventy dollars Rittenhouse is slightly cheaper, but it's slightly cheaper. But they took it off the market because oh, it, yeah. it didn't sell enough. But hopefully, we can get it back now. We've been talking to people and kind of asking them to just take it in again because working with the distributors, like you were telling me last time yeah. you were here. Um, so, with that in mind, I'm wondering, like, how it must be extremely <coughs> difficult to like keep a like a co- like a classic cocktail program going even at something like uh the akuaku like yeah. keeping a, uh, a a tiki bar it's uh, yeah it's different uh, it's kind of difficult because if you if you were to use all the rums you use here uh like eldorado 15 for example you would have to charge like 30 dollars for a cocktail just That's to make it even so <laughs> it's crazy and yeah. there, uh, we were on the train over here and uh hell was telling me about like the uh the proof levels also you can't get like you can't have like not more than 120 proof, 20 proof yeah. no it's wow. considered drug it's considered a drug not, yeah. narcotics yeah. that's well I mean it Sad. it should be treated that way <laughs> yeah, it I, I can't tell you how many times I've been over to Tiki Adams house with Brian Miller and had had uh, had to take a break in a glass of water <laughs> um, so so with that like 
do you rely mostly on I mean obviously like any bartender worth their salt can actually make a good drink using what you have available that's that's pretty standard I mean yeah. like they're you know like David Wondridge uh, he's got his uh, hotel room old fashioned where he takes like a mini bottle of whiskey from the like the mini bar uh, a sugar packet a little bit of water puts it in a glass and then you, the only thing you're missing is the bitters but every good bartender should always carry their own bitters with them anyway right <laughs> travel size I mean they're already kind of travel size anyway yeah. Um, but so, like, what are some of the things you've done with well, cocktails? Well, especially uh, we've improved the ice because That's we we huge. didn't like think of doing great ice before. Uh, and actually, uh, Thomas and Brian had a whole lecture on ice uh, as part of the the first introduction course they had. And uh, last time uh, we went to New York as well, we met at uh, Milk and Honey with Sasha Sasha Petrosky. And he was like, whatever you can get hold of, just make good ice, and you'll, you'll make some good cocktails uh, even. So, well, that's the first step. And now we're trying to work with the distributors to get more, uh, like, varieties uh, mm-hmm. over. And, and you're, you're it's in all Norway about- where it's cold, sorry, <laughs> where it's cold all the time, so you should have good ice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's all about working with what you've got and just improving what you've got. As Absolutely. long as you can focus on what you have instead of focusing on what you could have had yeah absolutely i'm from like one of the smallest towns in the in oklahoma and uh say the name i'm from i'm from lone wolf oklahoma (laughs) i'm proud to be from there um but it was such a small town that there was literally nothing to do there there was always a joke about like drinking fighting and fucking that's what you did and that's what you do in a small town but really, like in that situation, you have to like make your own fun. You have to make what you can of your situation, and I think that's exactly what you're talking about. I mean, like of course, Oslo is a lot different from uh, Lone Wolf, Oklahoma, so, so. <laughs> you do have an advantage. <laughs> I mean, Slightly better, <laughs> slightly bigger, at least maybe. Um, yeah. I mean, I think what you guys do, like my experience in Oslo, was like coming from New York, going to Oslo. New York was literally like, we're all walking around with Zippos, and you guys are walking around trying to rub two sticks together. Like, it's really hard for you guys to create good cocktails because you just have limited, you, you have limited resources. But I think what you guys do there is amazing, and there isn't, um, you, you can't equate it to the passion you guys have. Like, I, I was totally blown away by, literally, I think after the first couple of nights of bartending there, uh, Espen, um, like already started doing tea infusions and people just, there's such an incredible passion and an eagerness to learn in Oslo that it's, it's inspirational, um, coming from New York, you know, cause sometimes you can kind of get lost in the, the bitterness and the petty competitiveness that goes on, um, in this industry. And there it was like, it literally was one for all and all for one. It was like, you guys were you were making great drinks. Actually, I think when I saw the um, at Park, you guys were doing a, um, uh, a Jack Rose with Calvados. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. But it was actually, you know, I was like, well, oh, right. You guys don't, don't have, Apple you, don't, you don't have Laird's Bonded. <laughs> but um, actually, it was kind of an inspiration for at Death and Company. Because when we redid our uh, Jack Rose there, we actually split it between uh, um, 
Calvados and uh, Laird's Bonded, and it was just, it was great. I mean, There's also I can't speak highly enough. You have been doing a lot of the work for us because we can come to to New York and we can have you over to Norway and get inspiration. We don't have to invent the wheel over again. We can just get the inspiration we need from you. So we have, I think we have an advantage in that situation because everything is out there so we can just get it from... I think you guys, you know, you may be inspired by us through our cocktails, um, but honestly, I felt inspired by you guys, honestly, as human beings. Like I thought you guys were like some of the nicest, after the most, umbrella nights, most, <laughs> m- m- most genuine human beings I've ever been around. Like there wasn't there wasn't any competitiveness of you know it's kind of like taking a test and not showing your answers to somebody. It was like you guys were completely open. You were so supportive of of one another, and certainly of Thomas Cavill and I. Like. I don't know. I mean, everybody jokes around here. It's like, oh, you guys are rock stars. I'm like, no, you know, I, I've seen the police play. I'm like, those guys are rock stars. We're just bartenders. But being in Oslo, you guys treated us literally like we were rock stars. And it was quite a humbling experience. I absolutely loved it. I would highly recommend Oslo to, <laughs> to anybody. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> cheers to that. Speaking of, uh, humbling experiences we're gonna take a break real quick but we're gonna play one of the songs that was dedicated to uh thomas wall while they were out in oslo this is uh postman this is a theme song to postman pat postman pat postman pat postman pat and his black and white cat Early in the morning, just as day is dawning, he picks up all the post bags in his van. Postman Pat, Postman Pat, Postman Pat and his black and white cat. All the birds are singing and the day is just beginning. Pat feels he's a really happy man. Everybody knows his bright red van. All his friends will smile as he waves to greet them. Maybe you can never be sure they'll be knocked. Ring letters through your door. <laughs> postman Pat, Postman Pat, Postman Pat and his black and white cat. All the birds are singing, and the day is just beginning. Pat feels he's a really happy man. Pat feels he's a really happy man. Pat feels he's a really happy man. Yeah. All right. So uh, <laughs> that was our studio audience. That was awesome. I when did they show up? That's great, man. It's not just table forty-two, but it's. Uh, I thought we were the studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, if anyone wants to see the video of that, they should go to YouTube and watch it. Uh, if you know Thomas Wah, you'll get quite a kick out of it. <laughs> Sorry, Thomas. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> He's working. He didn't. Pay <laughs> So, okay, uh, I actually want to talk about... We've been drinking Aquavit this entire show, and uh, <laughs> it's it's actually one of the spirits that has become 
more and more popular in the United States over the past few years. Um, I would say, like over the past five years, slow burn it, uh, slow burn it first, but now it's you see it in a lot of cocktails, um, things like this, Bolgenieva, you know, things like that that are a little bit maltier and a little bit like more. I don't know, like the botanicals are a little bit on the softer side, but they're they're a base spirit and they they have a long history. And now we're using the cocktails, but I don't know if anyone really knows. Or a lot of people really know like what aquavit is. I mean, could you explain a little to us about that? It depends on where it's. Uh, it depends on where it's made. Uh, in Norway, we always make it from potatoes. Yeah. But you can make it from grain as well. Um, the Swedes make it from grain. The Danish and the German make it from grain, and I think it's grain made in the U.S. as well. But in Norway, strictly potato. That's and then cool. you you distill it, and depends on what country, but. In Norway, it's a lot of caraway. Caraway. Yeah, right. that's more or less it. In Sweden, you've got it like every kind of flavor. All different you styles. Yeah. Want. So, but like, I mean, obviously, like aquavit, like, is a, a very old term, uh, and pretty much the the origin of most distilled spirits can go back to be calling aquavit. I mean, like, grappa is an aquavit. You know, uh, it's y- alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's flavored alcohol. Yeah. I mean, it's not nothing more than distilled spirits. Yeah, and like I mean, like even whiskey. The the term whiskey comes from an old whiskey, the like water of life. I mean, really, whiskeyba. Yeah, yeah whiskeyba. Um, the uh, the origin though is like from like water of life, and that's what a lot of spirits and a lot, it's kind of weird and serendipitous that a lot of different cultures into different. Places around the world actually took that term "water of life" and applied it to their distilled spirits. You know, um, but specifically for for Norway, you've got like a lot of caraway, and like you said, it's a potato-based spirit, which I always liked. I, like as far as like vodkas go, if I'm ever going to drink a vodka, which I rarely do, it's potato. I like potato vodkas, but um, it's it's a really cool ingredient to mix with, like aquafit. Um, and like I said, yeah, some of them you can actually you can actually taste the potato off them. Some of them, like linea, I know you get the linea here. Mm-hmm. To me, it's tastes a bit too much potato-ish. It's very potatoey. Yeah, I don't. That's not. I'm feel. I actually feel sorry. Lin- different here. No, no, Linnea is it's it's a good aquavit, but I'm really sorry that you can't get any of the others because a lot of the others. We have a huge variety of really good aquavits. Like the um, one we're drinking now, the Gamle Oplan. It's amazing. It's really good. Just like drink it, drink it beer, drink it like make cocktails with it, whatever. You can make punches. It's really good, and it's well, the you perfect. Guys have a difference with the the aquavit that we're drinking right now is yeah. in a port cast. Yeah. Um, but the regular Gamlotman, really good as absolutely. well. Absolutely. Love that stuff. And then you guys also have, there's like a, a, a Christmas aquavit. Yeah, right? yeah. A yeah. winter aquavit. They're hard, like, heartier. I mean, I think it, I think it's amazing. It's it, it's definitely an Does under... Does Santa Claus deliver it? I've always wanted to have, actually, <laughs> the Christmas aquavit, but I, 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 I never actually have. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's probably really good with the rotten fish that is quite the uh, delicacy. You gotta love and, the rotten yeah, fish, I, man. <laughs> no, actually, I don't, but that's okay. Um, but I think, I think it is an underused spirit, just like 
uh, Damon, you were saying. And honestly, to me, one of my new favorite cocktails um, is that Von Dog, uh, Katie Stipe's version of uh, the Turf Cocktail with Aquavit. Just totally blows my mind. Like it's amazing. I, I had, I had, it's the turf war. Yeah, it's the turf. I had cocktail. it the last time I was here. It's amazing. And it's, the thing is that in the U.S., you in Norway, we more or less drink our aquavit like pure. Well, I think uh, aquavit right. is changing. underrated in Norway as well because we usually drink uh, it as a, a shot, like neat with a fatty Christmas. Food and it's usually and kind of an older way. person's drink, right? Like yeah. not a lot of the young people actually drink aquavit. No, actually, just now people are starting to get their eyes open for cocktail making. So, uh, especially now with the Linia, the the Linia Awards going on in Oslo. Actually, Thomas Vaugh is uh, judging the Linia Awards. Uh, How the hell did he get that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Jesper. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, things are changing with uh, with Aquavit in Norway as well. It's starting to to use them in drinks as well. And cocktails. I mean, it's a, it, it, it's such an amazing spirit. It's like you know, it, you can talk about like gin is is uh, vodka without the training wheels, and I kind of feel like Aquavit is gin without the training wheels. Like there's so much going on in that spirit, and there's so much to work with um, with Aquavit. I just yeah, and hopefully people can actually see that now because. Took me. I did not. I did not know that. Sorry. Microphone. I, I I didn't know before I came here. I knew that you could use aquavit for a lot of cocktails, but when I came to Fondag and met Katie Sipe, it's like, hell yeah. <laughs> oh my god, the infusions that yeah. she's doing. It's are amazing. amazing. Like the taste, little tasting board. We had one of each. I didn't even know Strawberry, that you could do pepper, that. Yeah. Pineapple. Carrot and lemongrass. But at yeah. the same time, we took that home and have been talking about it. People <laughs> have been more experimental with the Rockovit and um, especially a lot of the bars. And now the distiller has actually, it opened the distiller's eyes. So in Norway, it's stately run the distillery. It's kind of weird, actually. It's like, yeah. I mean, as a Tiki fan, I'm like, you know what? There's no... Well, outside of Smuggler's Cove and Tiki Tea and, and, and uh, um, the Mai Kai down in Florida, it's like, there's no really good tiki bars here in the United States. But over in Europe, everything is great. Turn around, and it's like, with Aquavit, everybody here in the United States is, like, doing cool stuff with Aquavit. And it's like, you guys are drinking it straight. I'm like, really? Mm. Like, that's, it's good it, straight as well, but... It is good straight, but, like, it, but it's it also... it's mixing spirit. It yeah, absolutely. It makes it gives it that extra oomph, that 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 kick, you know. It's like you create a cocktail and you're like, Okay, it's missing that kick. What is it? And it's like Aquavit. Aquavit. Mm. I mean I use it in my Bloody Marys. It's really good in Bloody Marys. Fucking brilliant, by the way. And like (laughs) it's it I guess technically it's called a Danish Mary when you use Aquavit or like I guess I've heard a billion different things, but I just call it my Bloody Mary because in my never ending crusade to not use vodka in any cocktail on my By the way, there's a case of Linier at Death and Company for you. So. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> so you Sweet, I'm going to use it. And one cool yeah. thing about that bottle, too, is like, I'm not trying to like plug this without anyone being here like working for that company, but one cool thing is like when you flip over the bottle, you look at the inside of the label, you get to see like it's printed on the inside of the label the ship that it would actually cross the equator on. Speaking of Aquavit, you should have some more of this. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> uh, Anders. But yeah, like there was like uh, it was House Spirits from from Portland doing yep. the Krogstad. Krogstad off of it. I think we have a, a lot to owe, Anders. like especially that brand. Like cheers with the over the cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Oh. That was the last drop, actually. Nice, good to the last drop. <laughs> to the last drop. <laughs> but we do have to, we do have to, in the United States, we do have to like pay some props to the small distillers, uh, like the the boutique distilleries, you know, or at, uh, Christian Krogstad, yeah, yeah, for for actually like stepping out of the box and you know making ingredients, uh, making spirits like this. Because with the same the same mentality that we approach a lot of cocktails nowadays, we are always looking for the newest and better and more esoteric ingredients to use to make you know we we, we can't like recreate the Manhattan for like another like two hundred years. We got to start doing our own stuff and to have like like him do an aquavit like that but and like to bring that to the market. What's that? <laughs> Maybe somebody should make an, a Manhattan with Aqua V. Maybe you should do it. Maybe these guys should do Maybe it. Maybe Katie should do it. Call it the Oslo. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, but I, I think it's really like it's a really exciting time all around in in this world um, of like cocktails and bartending and bars and spreading spreading the gospel around the globe. So we've got. Four bartenders from Norway coming in to New York City to hang out and give us some insight to what's going on on the other side of the world, and uh, I think you know we we should have been at this point like a little while ago. We should have been doing this in the seventies, but you always have to have a dark period before you can come back up to the, uh, to the to the light. Dawn, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and I, it, I I totally agree with you. I mean, I think these guys from Oslo, Anders. Double Anders. Yeah, Double Anders. Double Anders. <laughs> Ida, Dan, uh, Hella, all this, you know, all the kids in Oslo, like, I think it's the most amazing thing about them is it is their passion. And they're like sponges. They just soak up everything around them. And it's kind of the epitome of cocktails. This is not supposed to be an exclusive group. This is good cocktails should be for everybody. Everybody should have them. And, uh, the, your guys' passion is incredibly inspiring. Why the fuck am I talking? <laughs> you guys should be but talking. Are you working on like a drinking culture festival in Oslo? Yes, actually. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's a part of like the, the renaissance as well. Uh, after being here a couple of times and seeing how the scene evolves in Oslo now after these trips and you guys over at us, uh, we thought like we should try to make a um how should i put it hella it's like a, it's, um, well it's 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 not it's, it's not like it's, it's not a festival it's like just to get enlightened uh racing and knowledge amongst everybody working and everybody interested from guest to supplier i think that's what tales was supposed to be <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is a non-profit thing, and it's just to raise awareness in the industry uh, how to become a better bartender and a better guest, and also to cooperate with all the levels of, like, from the supplier to the to the guy actually standing and shaking those cocktails and uh, the guest drinking it, and how to behave because 
Well, we have Norway's, uh, Norway's different. <laughs> yeah, Norway's different. <laughs> yeah. No. No, but it's all about just like as long as we can raise awareness and knowledge about alcohol and whatever we can get, and if we work with the suppliers on this, it will be easier for us to get what we actually want into the country, and it will be easier to make the guests actually demand quality. Because that's the problem now. They don't, they don't know what they want. Some of them do, but there's still vodka batteries like all over. Yeah, and that's yeah. as long as we can make the <laughs> make the guests demand something good and demand co- quality. We have to step up. Well, I demand that you uh, <laughs> have me over sometime to Oslo to uh, guest bartend and hang out. Um, it's been my pleasure having you all on my show. And it, I also want to say, this is our 20th show. Congratulations. And, uh, and it's great that we had uh, so many guests on at one time. It's great. Uh, what's that? 20 more. What, to one more? 20 more. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. Uh, Dan, hello, Maury, honors, and Brian Miller. Thanks to my producer, Jack Ensley. Guys, next time you're here, which is probably going to be in like two weeks, <laughs> knowing you guys, <laughs> please come back and hang with us on the Speakeasy. Definitely. I'm your host, David Volte. Cheers. Now when you see him stumbling up and down the street, you know that cat's been drinking. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. This is Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer. A beef cut has been designed for a beer pairing. I know you're all going to be really happy to hear that. The Samuel Adams Boston Lager Cut will be available nationwide through an online retailer. This was actually designed by Jake Dixon of New York City's Dixon's Farm Stand Meats, located in the Chelsea Market, and it's cut from the cap to the top sirloin at a 45-degree angle. It's a nice-looking little steak. It's an 8-ounce steak that is designed to complement Sam Adams' Boston Lager. But I bet you could find other beers that it would pair well with as well. So um, look out for it. Let's see what it's like. This has been Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Keeper. Check out a small clip from The Food Scene hosted by Michael Harlan Turkel, a show where food and art intersect. I think most recently you had a chocolate waterfall that had five tons uh, of chocolate flowing, (laughs) and you'd put on, what, a protective suit, walk through a waterfall, make your own chocolates within this kind of contained environment. Um, And most recently, a rabbit cafe. Yep. Can you explain that one to me a little bit? Well, I... And this also slightly comes from jellies as well, because in England, everyone has these uh, rabbit jelly molds. It's the most popular mold. Everyone goes, oh, I had rabbit jellies yeah. as a kid. <laughs> and we've always been utterly bewildered by it. Why, why rabbit jellies? The only way to get to the bottom of it was to get a whole herd of rabbits, open a cafe with them, and have people 
touch rabbits and these. Yeah. Um, so it kind of has resonance with uh, one of one of our favourite cookbooks, which we think an awful lot of uh, you know, modern chefs have have is their dark secret under their pillow, <laughs> um, which is the future. Want to hear more? Well, tune into the food scene live every week Tuesdays at three p.m. Or you can find all the archive shows on our website, or subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. Thanks for listening.